Welcome to episode 39 of the Digital Brand Envy podcast. I am your host, Michelle Caruana, and if you have followed me for any considerable amount of time, you'll likely know that I am a shameless Taylor Swift fan. Not only do I have several tattoos representing her work on my body, I've also podcasted about her before, and there's no denying that I take uh, pages out of her marketing book all the time. And you can consider this kind of a part two to my previous episode about Taylor Swift and all of the genius marketing skills that she and her team possess. And as of this recording, which is August 2020, that part one episode, which is episode 13 of the Digital Brand Envy podcast, is still my most listened to episode ever by far. So I really hope you guys enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed creating it. And I also want to put this really quick disclaimer out there. Even if you are not a fan of Taylor Swift's music or anything about her whatsoever, there are still some truly amazing marketing takeaways from her latest album drop that you can use to enhance your business. So stay tuned. All right, let's do this. Let's dive into the four marketing lessons that you can learn from Taylor Swift's surprise album drop in July of 2020. You're listening to the Digital Brand Envy Podcast, where we believe creating an impactful customer journey is the biggest opportunity to grow any business. Sales funnel strategist Michelle Caruana will let you in behind the scenes of the campaigns and launches her team is working on while highlighting what's working and what's not to attract an audience and convert them into customers and raving fans so you can achieve your own envy-worthy brand. So if you are in tune with the music industry or Taylor Swift, you likely saw that she dropped a surprise album, like I mentioned in the introduction, in July, which is less than a year after her previous album, Lover, was released. This was a complete surprise to the industry and fans alike, considering Taylor usually orchestrates a perfectly thought-out album release sequence, including first a date announcement, and then she usually releases several singles and music videos. She releases merchandise and teasers. She does television promotions, listening sessions with fans, and so much more. For Folklore, her surprise album, she went completely off script, and it was honestly so refreshing. And we can all learn from the success this album saw and really take a page out of Taylor Swift's marketing book, which, as you guys know, I do all the time. (laughs) And before I dive into the four lessons that we can all take away from this, I want to read a small portion of her announcement of the surprise album that she made on Instagram about 16 hours before the album actually dropped. The announcement reads, most of the things I had planned this summer didn't end up happening, but there is something I hadn't planned on that did happen. And that is my eighth studio album, Folklore. Surprise! Tonight at midnight, I'll be releasing my entire brand new album of songs I've poured all of my whims, dreams, fears, and musings into. I wrote and recorded this music in isolation, but got to collaborate with some musical heroes of mine, which she goes on to mention that I'm not going to read here. Before this year, I probably would have overthought when to release this music at the perfect time, but the times we're living in keep reminding me that nothing is guaranteed. My gut is telling me that if you make something you love, you should just put it out into the world. That's the side of uncertainty I can get on board with. Love you guys so much. 
And I mean, come on. She spells it out pretty transparently there. That pretty much sums up the entire episode right in that little paragraph. Taylor likely saw way back in March that times were different and she needed to adapt in order to not only stay relevant, but keep her music business alive. After all, she did have a huge stadium tour planned for the summer that has since been postponed indefinitely. I'm sure as business owners, we can all relate to this, especially right now. Times are tough out there, and if you are listening to this as I'm releasing it, which will end up being in early August 2020, it's definitely more complicated than ever to really connect with your audience and make sales. I, for example, have had to completely pivot my Play Cafe Academy business, as you guys can likely imagine. A well-oiled sales funnel that took me years to grow and perfect that I really talk more about in episode three that was passively generating tens of thousands of dollars a month literally screeched to a halt practically overnight. Literally one day it was making thousands of dollars and one day it went to basically zero. I had to create new workshops, new courses, new freebies, new lead magnets, all to continue helping people make an impact in the world as well as provide for their families and provide for my own in the process. A lot of people forget that you know, us as course creators are not only trying to make an impact in other people's lives, but we also have to provide for our own families and ourselves as well. So Taylor's words really resonated with me, and I just knew in my heart that this episode needed to happen. All right, so let's get into the four lessons we can all learn from the Folklore album release. Number one, it's okay to try new strategies and do something unexpected. This one probably seems pretty obvious, but let's talk about it anyways. I already mentioned in the introduction that Taylor Swift is especially known for her meticulous planning when it comes to releasing new music, something that she also called attention to herself in her Instagram announcement. Way back in episode six of the Digital Brand Envy podcast, I talked about the four biggest mistakes that I see holding my entrepreneur clients back. And one of the biggest ones that I mentioned is the mistake of striving for perfection. As I mentioned in the intro, Taylor's summer tour was canceled and therefore she had more time on her hands than originally anticipated. Plus, with quarantine and a ban on most non-essential travel, she knew that this was a great time to tap into her creativity and write and produce. Now, while it's completely understandable to need a mental break during a global pandemic and take a break from creating... I've really enjoyed seeing some of the amazing products and courses and businesses and music that have come out of this time of quarantine. It seems like the combination of global events and the freedom that Taylor is enjoying with her new record label has been causing her to push the envelope and try things she has never considered before. And even during normal times, doing something that your audience or customers don't expect can reinvigorate even the coldest audience and really shake things up. So what do I mean by that and how can it translate into your business? Well, I'll give you a couple quick examples of how I have ventured off my normal path over the last few months and done something completely unexpected or some ways that I plan to do so in the future. So number one is I started really ramping up my lower priced workshops, which I haven't really done before. I mainly do either free webinars that upsell into my Play Cafe Academy course 
or I did my business plan workshop, which isn't really a workshop. It's more of just a Q&A session where I can connect with people who have purchased my business plan toolkit and answer all of their questions that they need in order to move forward in their business. But something that I started seeing, especially when quarantine hit and people started being laid off or furloughed or put on unemployment is people were having a hard time investing large sums of money and they were feeling very stuck and very afraid to move forward in starting any business which I completely understand. So I started offering a lot more lower priced workshops that didn't have an upsell. They didn't have a sales pitch. There was really nothing except the workshop. And by low priced, I mean between $37 and $97. So I've done Facebook ads workshops. I've done Facebook ad targeting workshops, which is a more advanced version of my Facebook ads workshop. I've done a mobile events workshop, which is $37 and it includes kind of like a 60 minute workshop where I do slides and I really get into all the details. And then I do 30 minutes of Q and A at the end. And they also get checklists and workbooks and all that good stuff. But that $37 mobile events workshop, there's no upsell. There's no sales pitch. There's no value letter really. I mean, yes, some people might decide that they love my teaching style and think I provide a lot of value and eventually upgrade to my full Play Cafe Academy course, but I didn't even mention it throughout the workshop. So what I'm doing is I'm creating these kind of like mini products in my business that not only generate a quick cash flow whenever I release them, so it's a nice influx of cash, but once I actually deliver the workshops live, I then repurpose the content and I put it on evergreen, meaning that people can go onto my website at any time and purchase the replay version of that workshop. So I'm creating all of these mini products to kind of keep my business generating revenue while still understanding that people are having a hard time investing in some of these higher ticket items. Now, depending on what you're selling, you might be able to get away with higher ticket items still. Like for example, as you guys know, I just took Stu McLaren's Tribe program and that's a $2,000 course. And he had more people join this year, which was in May than ever before. And that's because it's about you know creating an online business. So if that's your niche or if your niche is something that is really you know, still generating a lot of interest right now during quarantine, then go for it. Keep your price point the same. But if you teach something like I do, like for example, opening an indoor playground, which are pretty much shut down right now, then you probably are going to need to make some major pivots. Now, of course, I do have my marketing business and I teach digital marketing. So that I haven't really altered. That has kind of actually seen a huge uptick more than anything. It hasn't seen any decline, but I still wanted to replace a lot of the revenue that I was losing from my Play Cafe Academy sales. So I started creating these lower price workshops, which is something that I typically do not do. Another thing that I did is I adjusted to help current owners instead of just prospective owners, because as I mentioned, not a lot of people are researching how to open an indoor play space right now. Now, there are people still doing so, and I really agree with them because this can take up to a year to open this type of business. So it's a great time to get started. It's a great time to research. It's a great time to gather information. But People typically aren't signing leases right now. So what I did was I kind of changed my ideal customer avatar. 
instead of focusing on helping people get started and you know create a business plan, plan their spaces, set them up for profitability, I shifted to helping current owners because I saw that they were hurting. I saw that they were panicking, that they needed to generate revenue. They needed to pivot themselves in their brick and mortar business, and they needed to take things online, which happens to be my specialty. So I instead switched from prospective owners as my ideal client to current owners. And I was solely focused on creating YouTube videos and blog posts and mini courses just for them to help them get through this time because I saw that they needed me and I wanted to show up for them. The next thing that I did that was pretty unexpected for my audience because I've been you know, vocally against them in the past is I started offering payment plans. So again, this goes to changing consumer preferences. And I knew that even if people were interested in starting an indoor playground, that they likely wouldn't be able to pay the full $500 upfront for my signature program. So for the first time I started offering payment plans and people really appreciated that. And it helped me generate a lot of revenue in my business. And yes, I had to be a little bit flexible and I had to kind of you know, put my foot in my mouth a little bit because I previously said I would never offer them, but it really showed a little bit of compassion to my audience and it helped them understand that I knew where they were coming from. I knew that they were scared. I knew that they were feeling stuck and I wanted to show them that I was invested in their success and I would do whatever it took in order to get my product into their hands because I know for a fact that it can transform their lives for the better. The last thing that I did that I wanted to mention today is I started offering a lifetime access option to my Playmaker Society program. So as you guys know, once somebody purchases my Play Cafe Academy course, they can then choose to upgrade to include my group coaching program, which is called Playmaker Society. So people can't just join Playmaker Society. They have to go through the course first. It's a prerequisite, and it helps me keep the group really intimate and high level, and it helps keep us all on the same page. Now, this is typically $47 a month, and I've never included a lifetime access option before, but I was getting a ton of, I don't want to say cancellation requests, but a lot of people asking if they could put their membership on hold or, you know, people asking, you know, what the implications were if they were to put it on hold or something like that. And the general consensus was that they still wanted to connect monthly. They still wanted the information, but they were afraid to keep paying monthly indefinitely while their plans were kind of put on hold. So I decided to put an offer out there for my current members and said, hey, if you pay this amount, I think it was $297. If you pay $297 today, you not only can stay a member right now, but you get lifetime access as long as a membership exists. And that was actually my single biggest revenue generating offer in all of 2020 so far. That single lifetime membership offer was so well received and not just, you know, in terms of, you know, monetary, uh, monetary success, it was also well met with, you know, positive reviews. People were saying how much they appreciated it. I was met with so much gratitude and I was just so thankful that I listened to my audience and we're going to talk more about listening to what your audience needs in a little bit, but I was so thankful that I took the time to listen to what these people were actually needing when they were reaching, reaching out to me, asking if they could cancel their membership. You know, I could have just said, sure, I'll cancel your membership. No problem. But instead I kind of took the time to have a back and forth conversation with them. And I said, you know, What's the issue? Is it money? Is it, are you afraid? Are you feeling stuck? And 
again, most of the people were just afraid to keep paying indefinitely when they had no idea when their indoor playground plans would be able to get off the ground. So giving them this one-time only price, you know, never have to worry about paying monthly again was very appealing to them. So not only did it generate a lot of revenue so that I could keep my business running and I didn't have to, you know, go through all of these cancellations, but it also really helped out my audience, especially those most committed to opening. All right, so the second marketing lesson that we can take away from the Folklore album release is that pivoting is essential now more than ever, but really always. Now, this one is discussed so frequently these days, so I'm not going to harp on it too long, but obviously the world is a little bit tumultuous right now, right? We can all agree on that. People are scared to invest or spend money. It's intimidating to start a new business, all that stuff we already talked about. People feel nervous to promote or sell their products. But instead of just shutting down and assuming that the world doesn't need or want what you're offering right now, just pivot instead and try something new. Now, pivoting can mean starting something major, like what I mentioned when I said I was starting to create more courses and products and all of that stuff. Now, that was a huge time and money investment. And of course, Taylor Swift pivoted her business in a major way because make no mistake, being a recording artist is a business. Instead of relying on her tour to generate her income for the year, since it had already been postponed indefinitely, she quickly turned on her creative juices, did whatever she could to continue collaborating with whom she felt inspired by, and put an incredible brand new piece of artwork into the world for purchase and consumption. And spoiler alert, her newest album is already smashing records, so this pivot was clearly a great move for her career. And another example of a major pivot has um, is something uh, that we've seen a lot of lately, and it's all of the distilleries and restaurants who switched from crafting alcohol to producing hand sanitizer. That probably took a lot of time and effort and investment in their part, but they saw a need in their community, and they immediately sprung into action and started to fill it. Another example is all of the clothing manufacturers who quickly added masks to their product lines, or all of the indoor playgrounds, shout out to you guys, who are now offering childcare services and craft kit pickups and yard signs and balloon decor and homeschooling resources and virtual classes. Yes, you can absolutely create something new or offer a new service and make a major pivot in that way, but it's also okay if you start small. One such smaller pivot is streaming something that you would normally be teaching anyway, like a virtual yoga class, or if I were to um, broadcast one of my in-person indoor playground classes as I would be, it's something that I would have already been doing anyways. I already have the curriculum developed. It's not something brand new I'm creating. I'm just changing the medium in which people are consuming it. Like, for example, when the production of Hamilton was made available online to help maintain interest in theater. That was a repurpose of a recording that made a huge impact in the lives of fans. So they didn't didn't go and create a brand new musical or a brand new production from scratch. They simply repurposed an asset that they already had and, again, made a huge impact. Other examples are entrepreneurs hosting virtual conferences and masterminds instead of their normal in-person events, or even making recordings from past events available online. 
Again, you don't necessarily have to create something from scratch in order to adapt it for your business in order to survive. You can also simply tweak the way in which people consume that product or service. Businesses and artists and entrepreneurs pivoting like these examples and creating new streams of revenue more in line with the changing consumer preferences and the need to stay home and socially distance is essential. And Taylor Swift's album release just reiterated what we had already learned about pivoting from this pandemic, but I did want to make sure I mentioned it here. All right, the third marketing lesson that we can take away from the Folklore album release is that it's always great to surprise and delight your fans or customers. And I promise not to, again, reiterate a lot because we already talked about doing something unexpected and pivoting, but this specifically is one of my absolute favorite principles in business. And this goes hand in hand with the saying that businesses should always under promise and over deliver. Now it's super obvious how this concept relates to dropping a surprise album because it's literally surprising your customers. So I wanted to bring up some other examples that I've experienced both in real life and in business. So last week I came home and we had no power and I was really confused because it was like perfect weather. There was nothing amiss, nothing that, you know, signaled to me that we were going to lose power that day. So I was completely taken aback. I was not prepared at all. I had my kids. It was almost bedtime. I didn't know what to do. So I immediately called the power company and they gave me an estimated restoration time of like three hours. And I was like, okay, you know, I immediately set my mind to three hours. I was like, I can do this. I, you know, took my kids outside. I started, you know, trying to fill that time, all that stuff, making sure the food wasn't going bad, all that good stuff. And then within an hour, the power was actually restored. So they really underpromised and overdelivered. They made sure to overestimate the restoration time so that people weren't calling them, like say they were going to um, restore the power in 45 minutes. By the hour mark, they would have had angry people calling them. They would have had people frustrated and upset and it would have been a nightmare for them. But because they overestimated the restoration time, they were able to surprise and delight customers by restoring the power early. Now, did they do this on purpose? Maybe not. But it just goes to show you that I was originally so upset with the power being gone. And when I first saw that three hours, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a nightmare. You know, anyone with very little kids probably can relate. And honestly, if they would have said at the beginning, oh, this is going to take an hour to, you know, restore, I might have been really frustrated because again, it was perfect weather. There was seemingly no explanation, but because they, you know, set my expectation, you know, for almost the worst case scenario, several hours. I was then very surprised and delighted when the power was back on within an hour. Same with restaurant wait times. If somebody tells you that you're going to wait an hour for a table, but then within 30 minutes you're sitting down, they're not going to be upset that they had to wait 30 minutes. They're going to be very surprised and they're going to be happy that you were able to accommodate them even quicker than they expected. Now, a more practical business example of this would again be the, an example that I want to bring back from my tribe experience. So again, I took Stu McLaren's tribe program this year, and he is probably the best example in business of surprising and delighting customers. I can't even tell you how much this man over-delivered during the course of this 10-week program. He threw in surprise bonuses. He threw in extra live sessions, extra Q&As. He had surprised guest speakers. He threw in free tickets to the Tribe Live event this year. He really sold us on the course, which is why so many of us invested $2,000 in the program to begin with. But 
the amount of content and the amount of surprises that he sent out throughout the course of this program made it an absolute no-brainer for me to recommend his program to people in the future. And something else he did that I thought was so fun is he also sent fun bandanas and pins and postcards out to us throughout the course of the program. And that helped keep us engaged. It helped keep us excited. And it helped us reach the maximum success that we could have because a lot of people could have just put this 10-week course on autopilot and they could have said, all right, I have this pre-recorded course. Go at your own pace. You know, They could have taken all of this money that they generated from the people purchasing the course and ran, but instead they worked to keep us engaged. They continually dropped surprise bonuses on us. They unlocked new surprises. They had guest speakers, and it really kept us invigorated because everybody that's invested in an online course knows if you don't finish the program, you're not going to get the success that they promised. So by continually surprising and delighting us, he kept all of us so on course, so focused on the end goal so much supporting each other throughout the entire program that I really feel like I got the success that I did from that program because of these surprise bonuses and because he kept me so engaged. And a lot of these surprise bonuses weren't unlocked until I actually did a section of work. So he gamified his program a little bit, which I absolutely loved. And that was a fun little surprise that I didn't know was coming. So I was so blown away by this program and I cannot wait to implement a lot of these features in my own courses to help my students get as much success as possible. Because as Stu always says, when you find student success, they generate stories, success stories. And then you can tell those stories to your prospective students. And those success stories is really what's going to sell your course for years to come. And that's going to be what keeps the revenue flowing. So we are in the business of getting our students success and surprising and delighting them is one of the best ways to keep them invigorated. All right, the fourth and last marketing lesson that we can learn from Taylor Swift's folklore release is to always listen to your fans and customers and pay close attention. Now, Taylor Swift has always been known for keeping a keen eye on what her fans want from her. She knows damn well that her fans love to obsess over dissecting all of her her lyrics, and they love her ability to storytell and really bring these fantastical characters and romances to life in her songs. And she also knew the last few albums that she produced were, while very radio and concert friendly, kind of strayed more from the drawn out, complicated songs from past albums like Speak Now and Red. So they were more poppy. They were more on beat. They didn't really have that deep lyrical focus that a lot of her um, earlier albums had that fans really, really loved. So she decided to get back to her roots a little bit and give her fans who she knew were alone and bored thanks to quarantine and really just hungry for some fresh material to sink their teeth into. She delivered arguably the most intense and intricate album she's ever put out there. And man, we as fans appreciated it so hard. Twitter basically broke overnight by people dissecting all of the character arcs and the reoccurring themes and all of the hidden Easter eggs. I was completely blown away. I have to admit that I was honestly nervous when the album announcement came out because I thought it was going to be some quickly thrown together pop mini album, and I thought she kind of panicked because her tour was postponed and she just kind of threw this together, but I am so glad that I was very much mistaken. 
Taylor clearly used this time of isolation to put her head down and create what many believe is her best work. And as someone who has really struggled to produce during this time, I've, you know, openly struggled with you know, a little bit of depression and lack of inspiration, but I find it very inspiring that she really put her head down while people were, you know, creating goofy Instagram stories and doing all this weird, you know, extra stuff for money. She put her head down and did what she did best. And she listened to what her fans wanted. And I, again, find that so inspiring. It certainly gave me a kick in the butt and motivated me to really see what my audience wants and needs right now so that I can show up for them because they need me right now, even if it's not in the same way that they've needed me in the past pre-COVID. So kudos to Taylor Swift on an impeccably timed surprise album launch and congrats to her on all of the success that she has found by straying off the beaten path and trying something new with her best work and completely out of the element for her. So I love that she took something that she does best, which is creating amazing music, but she repackaged it and released it in a brand new way. So may we all take these lessons and do something unexpectedly delightful very, very soon. And if you guys are doing anything exciting with your business or making any fun pivots, feel free to let me know. DM me on Instagram. I will put my handle in the show notes or reach out to me via email. And as always, if you would like to learn more about my business and what I offer, go to scaleyourservice.com. 